Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Welcome to Bible Baptist Church this morning. Great to see you and hear your fellowshipping. Great to have you here. If you are a first-time guest, visitor, newcomer, we are glad you're with us today, worshiping with us. Trust you'll enjoy the service. I think you'll find right in front of you a little card, connection card. If you fill that out for us, we'd love to send you a thank you note. It's right in front of you. And put that in the offering plate if you don't mind. We've had a great time on Friday with some visiting pastors who came in and interrogated our son. Uh, Ethan uh, asked him some good questions about doctrine and put him through an ordination council, it's called. And so today's service will be a little bit different. As a dad, a privilege, of course, to be able to see this moment in Ethan's life. I'll give him a short charge, and he'll respond, and that'll be the morning service. Of course, we do have an evening service at 5.30 with communion, but we're just excited about what God is doing around here. If you're a guest today, you're, again, especially welcome to our service. I'm going to read some verses. They do relate, of course, to the theme of the day. They're found in 1 Timothy In chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, the Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That's quite a list to be an example of. And then Paul to Timothy says, Till I come, give attention or attendance to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, speaking primarily of his gift to the ministry, speaking gift. Preach the word, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things, Timothy. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed, and this is a great injunction, take heed to thyself first, and unto the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. What a stewardship it is to be a minister of the gospel. And what a challenge it is this morning, again, as a church, to approve the ordination that God has placed upon the life of Ethan. Father, we commit this day to you. We're grateful, again, for your call as a church to be on the front lines of evangelism, to share the word, the good word of the good news abroad. We're grateful for those that you've called up over the years through our ministry to go forth the mission fields and pastorates, and we're grateful for this legacy of faithfulness. We pray that you would certainly, in Ethan's life, seal the truths of this stewardship home. Thank you for choosing him for this wonderful call, and I pray that you'll strengthen him in the duty of it. We pray these things, committing our day to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate that ministry of music. Good to have you all today. It's a special day for the Regeer household. Um, there is no such thing as ordination by genetics. In other words, just because you're a preacher's son does not mean that God's going to call you into the ministry. You're aware of that. Robin and I both, as little Ethan was growing up in our home, never wanted to twist his arm into ministry. We didn't. I mean, if if God called him, that's okay. (laughs) But we didn't want to be the ones that called Ethan into ministry. We think it's interesting, though, my, my grandfather, who ministered in Inola, Oklahoma, was a preacher. He was actually a little Mennonite preacher. He did preach the gospel, 
Although he believed wrongly that you could lose your salvation, he at least knew about the gospel. And then, of course, uh, my father, missionary in uh, Brazil, was a preacher. And then the Lord called me as a junior in college at Pensacola into the ministry. And now we are thrilled that God's voice has been heard in the heart of our son, Ethan. And what a blessing. Um, and I don't know that that succession will, <laughs> will continue, but uh, it's not an apostolic succession, by the way. But uh, we're glad for God's call in Ethan's life. If you have a Bible this morning, I want to sh- say a few things uh, before Ethan comes and responds. But ordination is not really something that we cooked up here as a church. It really is a biblical term. And you see it in Acts chapter 4 as Paul returns from his missionary journey, his first missionary, missionary journey, uh, chapter four, 14 and verse 23, it says the, they passed confirming and exhorting the disciples and urging them to continue in the faith, even though they, through much tribulation, would enter the kingdom of God. And then the Bible says, they ordained them elders or pastors in every church, prayed and fasted and, com- and commended these ordained ministers to the Lord. That, of course, is an ordination that we'll talk about in just a moment. But I wanted you to see the qualifications for the job of uh, being a pastor. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Father, we commend our minutes to you in the Word, and we pray especially again for young Ethan that you would use his life in a mighty way the days ahead to confront the evil, the growing evil of our society, and to uh, then passion. Uh, confront folks with the claims of the gospel. And Lord, I pray you'll use him to turn many sinners to thee. We know the days are dark. And the call to ministry is indeed through much tribulation. We know that. But Lord, you are faithful to the task. And uh, he who is faithful to call is also faithful to do. So I pray that Ethan would clasp tightly the strong arm of a mighty God in this endeavor adventure of faith. And I pray that you would walk with him. Grant our thoughts, your direction today in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it take to be a pastor? Well, Timothy and Titus both are pastoral epistles. Let's just remind ourselves of the job qualifications. It's a true saying, chapter 3, 1 Timothy and verse 1, if a man desires the office of a bishop or a pastor, there's some words used interchangeably for a pastor, bishop, pastor, elder, And so he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, morally pure, above lingering accusations, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how then shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, without, outside the church, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The qualifications for the deacon are similar except for the fact that deacons are not called to have a speaking gift necessarily, but all are called to have high moral character in terms of their family reputation and their reputation in and out of the church. Their skills uh, uniquely qualify them, in this case, to be a, a proclaimer of the word. So, Ethan, God is going to give you, has given you, I believe, a gift to speak the word accurately 
as God intended. And then in, as God in time gives you a family, that family must be well-ordered, for that is the template upon which your ministry is evaluated and validated. So these are high callings found for us right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and also Titus chapter 1. It is not a light thing. It's not a simple thing. It is not a, uh, a flippant thing to say, I'm called by God into the ministry. It does begin with a great desire. Well, thinking about the first century church, you might wonder, how were people chosen to be a pastor? Well, Paul says at that foundational tier, when there were plenty of apostles, eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, they were given this what I call divine insight, where they would come into a community and establish a church and immediately have this, this authority and this insight from God to be able to pick those men within the context of the local churches, those house churches, who they would see as good fits for pastor material. And Paul would say to Titus in chapter 1 and verse 5, I want you to set the things that are messed up in order, set them in order, and I want you to ordain elders in every place, every church, every city on the Isle of Crete. And so we see that these apostles had somewhat of a divine insight into who they would choose. And there's no doubt in the first century church this was a unique place for the apostles to act without help from others that have this um, ability to see. Imagine this, if Paul were to visit us today and young men sit beside you, just happen to choose to sit beside you and nudge you on the shoulder or nudge you on the side and say, hey, guess what? I'm visiting and I'm an apostle and I want you to know something. God is calling you into the ministry. I know that. <laughs> God has given me divine insight, so quit whatever you're doing. Stop whatever job you're doing, and I want you to go into the ministry full-time. Paul had an unusual ability from God. It was an apostolic, really, enablement. We don't see that, of course, after they disappeared off the scene. So the question might be, how do we even know who should be a pastor? Well, we've seen the qualifications here, the listed before us in terms of family life, skill, reputation, love for God, character. But really it becomes then, in subsequent years, as the church developed, it became then the function of the church to recognize uh, these young men, could be older men, who God has placed a special hand upon their lives. And then the church then becomes the one who approves the calling of God, the calling of God lands, first of all, on Ethan's heart. It didn't come from mama, it didn't come from daddy, that would never sustain him. <laughs> but this is a desire that came from God through his own heart. But we as a church have a role to play today, and that is to affirm this calling. It's one thing to raise your hand and say, I think Paul visited me over the weekend, and I met an apostle somewhere, and he told me I ought to be a No, in the context of the church, even if a man stands up and says, hey, I think I'm, I'm qualified and I want to be a pastor, it is this body right here. Isn't it precious? We get to evaluate his life and either nod our head or say, objection, your honor. Uh, even though he might say he's a preacher, he ought not be one for this reason or that. So what a precious time this is this morning. You are then the validating. Uh, on Friday, it was the first step. Uh, we met to uh, examine his doctrinal statement. And it was a blessing. Two pastors came from Indianapolis, south part of Indi Indianapolis, and they flew down, and their flight was canceled, so they had to drive back. 
in time for church this morning. But uh, they, they joined from the Southeast Baptist Tabernacle down there, Pastor John Ray and his assistant pastor, whom Andrew Solaric, many of our folks here know from Maranatha days. What a blessing they were that Andrew Starr sat on the board, Tim Lee. I was there, and we had a few that were in the, what I call the gallery. And uh, it was a blessing to spend two hours uh, grilling him on doctrine. He had a great doctrinal statement, 31 pages. I thought it was a little long, but it was good. We got through it. And uh, we were able to examine him in terms of doctrine. But there's more to being a pastor than knowing doctrine. You've got to live it. And there has to be, if you were to ask me, oh, maybe I'd like to be a pastor. It starts with this internal desire. Does anybody desire? That's what Paul says. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. This is a truth. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. It's a hard work, but it's a good work. Well, Ethan, 1 Timothy 5.22 reminds us that we are not to lay hands on any man suddenly. <laughs> what does that mean? It simply means we are to have a time of proper evaluation of a man's life. For 10 years you have been in the company of this church. 10 years. Amazing, isn't it? August, the end of August. 10 years you will have been in the company of this church, and folks have seen Ethan around here. Um, Raise your hand if you think he's perfect. Amen. Not even his mother. But raise your hand if you believe. Like his mother and I. That God has placed his hand upon his life. Just raise your hand. Say yes. I believe it. I've seen it. I think that was... 152. I didn't count. We believe it too. We've had a front row seat to what God has done in the life of Ethan. Um, God graced our home nearly 24 years, September 5, 24 years ago. And we remember the simple prayer of faith, Ethan, at age four that you prayed and uh, told us about and we confirmed. And we remember too um, your learning to walk. We were around when that happened. You were actually coming back from a trip to Israel, and you were part of that trip. You don't know it, but you learned to walk in, I think it was London, one foot in your grandpa's boot, and you just went circles, but that was the start. We remember those days. We remember the days as probably a seven or eight-year-old, you fell off the picnic table in the backyard, fell onto cement, and your brother Nathan came running in and kind of matter-factly announced, Ethan's dead. And... Uh, <laughs> So we raced out to see what was going on, and, and we saw a resurrection there as you came back to life. <laughs> and uh, we've seen your tenderness for the things of the Lord. We've seen you walk perfectly. None of us do, but we've seen you walk and grow in the Lord, and it's been a blessing. We've seen you uh, kind of lead college friends with their walk with Christ, your Bible studies. It's been a blessing to see that you have an internal impetus for the things of God. That's really a gift from God. It's a validation of your own heart. We've seen your battle with sin, and we're glad that you're battling it. That's a truth uh, that when we have that internal struggle with sin, that there's a good mark that we are, again, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. He includes that in us, a desire for purity. And I've seen it in our son, his battle for personal holiness. Remember your first attempts at preaching? 
It was uh, back in high school. We do remember those days. And once in a while we would raise an eyebrow and wonder, is God really calling our son after hearing what we've just heard in the ministry? But early in life, you've had this growing, developing skill. And it's been a blessing of late to hear people say that. That last message that your son preached was a blessing to our hearts. We believe God is using him and can use him. And we've uh, seen your desire for ministry grow. And it's been internally, divinely motivated, manifested in your life. Ethan, uh, all, that, uh, all that being said, your mom and I do not call you into ministry. We've been praying for a preacher in our family, but we do not twist your arms. Your desire for this, I believe, son, is heavenly and internal, and it's good. Whoever desires the office of a pastor desires a good work. And uh, we're glad for this in your heart. God inspired, I believe, calling. And so our affirmation of the doctrinal statement that you presented to us on Friday will not keep you. It is faithful, uh, is he who called you who will also do it and perform it in your life. I uh, have now, I'm wrapping up about, about 34 years in ministry, and I know that uh, this is a difficult road, but I've seen the sustaining truth that God is the one that called me into this. And God is the one then that will uh, do the work through me. It's just a blessing to know that people don't call us, parents don't call us. God is faithful. He will empower you and his message through your weakness. I have to think of how weak preachers are. You think about it. Who is able, who is able for such a ministry? We are weak vessels, but we carry this treasure in earthen vessels that the power of God may be seen in our lives. And so I'm thankful. God is faithful. Ethan, he will empower you through your weakness from this day on. Be a believer in God's call in your life. The treasures of his grace are in you. The word of God is before you. Let it let it be the, the message that you just focus on, that you orbit around this book. You have no other word. You have no other calling. Preach the word. So number one, be a believer in God's call. Number two, be a preacher of God's word. I think looking culturally at preaching today on the television especially, there is this, this desire, I think, of some preachers to be entertainers, to be funny, trendy, hip, relational, uh, just to be popular. And yet, what does Paul say to Timothy? Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, it's not very far away. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does it say next? Ethan, I charge you, like Paul does, preach the word. Don't make stuff up. <laughs> Don't layer your opinion above the word. Just preach what God has said. Study it. Explain it well. It feeds the sheep. Amen. Preach the word. Be ready. Instant is what the word says. In season, out of season, rebu reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Stay in the book. The things that you have read in the Bible, Paul says to Timothy, the things that you have seen in your church and me and your family tested by suffering, the answers you've seen to prayer make this thing true. So Ethan, 
preach the book, love the book, meditate in it, and then just feed the sheep. You can be sure that your life will not be wasted or in vain if you just orbit around the book. So many churches are turning into, I don't know what, but clowns dancing and everything but the Word. Folks, we ought to have a hunger for what is eternal and real and faithful. And preachers are called to simply study, explain, live in the book, and then express it to others. So preach the Word in sunshine and in the storm. Preach the Word in season and out of season. It will not always be. It will not always be convenient, nor will it fall on the ears of folks uh, in a kind way. Sometimes you'll have to reprove and rebuke. But preach when it's easy, when it's hard, when they listen or when they run away. Uh, just pull out the sword of the Word and, and use that as the weapon that God has intended to cut to the internal, to convict the heart. It's a divider of the soul and the spirit. Hide behind the Word. Let your personality shine forth, but let God's heart and God's message always inform the sheep. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, preach the book. It's living, powerful, sharp, and able to change life. It's living. So be a believer in your calling, be a preacher of the word, be a searcher of God's heart. When David was dying, King David, he pulled Solomon, his son, close to him. And he said to this to his son Solomon, Thou Solomon, first Chronicles twenty eight, nine, know thou the God of thy father. No, no such thing as genetic succession preaching. But I want you to know this. It has been my heart to know God. And I'm here to tell you, you can know Him. What a blessing it is to know a knowable God. And don't ever trust a preacher that doesn't know God. Know the heart of God. So David... To, to Solomon, his son, who would take over the kingdom, he said, the, the priority of your life is to search the heart of God. So preaching is this wonderful balance, I believe, Ethan, between two things. Learning the Word, that's where God is revealed, and knowing His heart. So both things are important. Explain the Word carefully, but in every passage, the heart of God is revealed. Is it not? God's heart throughout all the Bible, is for people and for the reclamation and the restoration and the redemption of people. His heart must come through in your preaching. Or it simply is a discourse of information, right? But God has given you the privilege to know Him and then to display His heart to others. So be a searcher of God's heart. I find preaching to be propelled best by this prayer, Lord, in this passage, show me your mind, but teach me your heart, and then teach me how to express it well, clearly to our people. Such a search of a noble God whose heart can be seen in the pages of Scripture brings pathos to your preaching because biblical interpretation, hermeneutics, meaning never stops with pure exegesis, but it adds to it the heart and the passion for God. Understand, his heart is always longing for ours.
Our message is simple. I've been to the book, and this book says, Jesus loves you and wants to know you. Be a believer in God's calling, God's word, preacher of God's word, searcher of God's heart, caretaker of God's sheep. I've, in 35 years, 34 or 5 years in ministry, um, it, I've, Ethan, you're, you're far ahead of me in this. You're more relational than I perhaps ever will be. But um, loving people is what it's about, really. As a shepherd, God calls us a lot of things. In fact, 2 Timothy 2, there's like seven metaphors for a preacher. He's a lot of things. He's a, a teacher, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, a workman, a vessel, slave. All of those things entail hard work, calluses on your hand and heart. <laughs> Not heart, but hand. But they can come on your heart because sheep, uh, the word that, that I like the most is that, that you're a shepherd. Uh, the, the Greek is poimen, uh, an under-shepherd. And you can't be a pastor if you can't stand the smell of sheep. And uh, sheep will, will try you as a shepherd. And by the way, I've never known a shepherd that takes a whole lot of time off from his sheep, although once in a while a vacation might be okay, but sheep and shepherds just go together 24-7. So your phone is on always, your heart is open always, your schedule is always reflective of the fact that you are full-time 24-7 a shepherd. You are never, once we hand you this ordination, no, you are never not a pastor. And sheep will call you at all hours of the day. Sheep will get complacent. They will even at times be stinky. That's a theological term. They'll get critical, sick, get lazy, dull of hearing. They'll stray away. They'll go to other shepherds and other flocks. They'll bicker and bleat and bite and complain. But your heart should always be to love. Peter said it this way, I minister in such a way that ye may be able after my deceased departure to have all these things in remembrance. And one of the things you need to let your people know, no matter how difficult ministry becomes, is how much you love them. Often when folks do depart from our church, I will look at them and say this, I know that not every church is just exactly what every sheep needs, but as you leave here, I want to tell you something. I love you, and I'm going to keep praying for you. And I want God's best for your life. And when it's all said and done, I want you to know that we have been those who have faithfully preached the Word of God. Now, Ethan, you do not have a family yet. You don't. I've noticed that. You don't have a wife yet. Um, and I know one of the requirements is, or I say requirements, we know Paul was single for most of his ministry. It's not imperative that you have a wife, but we're praying that God would make that happen for you in the near future, if not the future. And I want you to know that part of this thing of pastoring involves your family. Um, and the Bible says you are to have your family in order so that ministry could be believable. So we're praying that God would send to you the right wife and in time children to lead and focus them in the ways of Christ. Never preach a sermon that your wife cannot say amen to. Some Sundays that's hard, right? A little, Honey, are you sure? Remember me? Remember those words we had? But never preach a sermon that is not believable and lived in your life. So be a believer in God's calling. He's done the calling. He's placed that desire in your heart. Be a preacher of God's Word. There's no other manual for leading sheep. Be a 
searcher of God's heart. Know his heart before you get up in the pulpit. Have a word from him. Be a caretaker of God's sheep. And then lastly, be a lover of the good news, the gospel. You know, I, I'm so thankful that the stewardship of the ministry really from cover to cover is the good news that God has a way, made a bridge for lost men to, to come to Christ, have a place in heaven. And so Paul would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, do the work of an evangelist. So every ministry we ascribe to, no matter who we are, but especially as pastors, let us never forget that ours is to not only taste that wonderful water, living water, oh, taste and see that the good news is good. <laughs> but who's, who's excited about the fact that the gospel changes a life if it hasn't changed yours? Who's excited about drinking living water if it hasn't done anything for you? So preacher... Love the gospel. Live by the gospel. Let it put a smile on your face. Never let the wonder of grace escape the preaching, no matter what the text is. Draw a line from every text, Spurgeon said, right to the cross. Make a beeline to the cross. What a blessing it is to live our whole lives, Ethan, to live our whole lives with one stewardship, walking streets, walking the halls of the Sunday school, walking the sanctuary aisles and crying out, there's good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That's our calling. And so be gospel-focused. Well, I'm so thankful for you, Ethan. Fight a good fight. Finish your course. Keep the faith. A crown awaits the faithful pastor. What a blessing it is, even when it's difficult. And I had to think about this, uh, even when it's not easy. And I don't know if yours will be the generation that will be put in jail for preaching the gospel. It may well be. But even if it's looking through bars, don't ever give up on preaching the word. Unleash the good news. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Friend, if you're here today and not put your trust in the God of the gospel, do so today before it's too late. What a joy it is to be a pastor. My charge to you is to be faithful. And uh, let's pray and then sing, and then Ethan has a word. Father, thank you uh, for this high calling, this high stewardship to give our lives as uh, really reflectors of the marvelous grace of Christ. I pray for Ethan in this endeavor that you would certainly strengthen him. In the calling you've given to him, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. That song says it all, I think, doesn't it? That's the goal, man. Um, it's, uh, it's a blessing to be here with you guys for this day. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of ministers don't have the opportunity to do this at their home church, and, and I'm thankful to be with you guys because, really, you are, are the best judges of this. You're the only ones that can really... Uh, sit out there and really validate this ministry because you've seen me um, and you've seen me long enough to know that I'm not perfect. Um, sometimes uh, the temptation is to want to go to a ministry and get ordained real quick before they get to know you for who you are. <laughs> I didn't have that opportunity here, um, but you have been gracious. You've extended that. Um, uh, a passage came to my mind as, as I was as I was thinking through this this week and and all the different events of it, and and obviously as I'm sitting here, um, it's it's not often that 
that as a pastor's son, when you're, you're hearing a message directed at yourself, it's, it's a positive thing, but, but today I think it was. Um, it's, it was a blessing to hear dad's heart and, and to be able to serve with him for the last year in the same, uh, same building and same church. Um, in, in Second Peter, um, we, we studied this last year with the 1830 group, and, and the beginning of this book, um, you can just get to hear Peter's heart. Um, he says this to the church in verse 12 of chapter 1. He says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Verse 13, yea, he says, I think it meet or appropriate as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. As I think back on my time here um, at Bible Baptist and I think of my more years with, with my dad living in, in the Regeer home, um, this passage, I, I immediately think of my dad's ministry in my life. Um, my dad did not think it appropriate <laughs> to uh, skip this whole idea of reminding me of the, of the truths that he has taught me. He, he says, I think it's appropriate. I, I think it's necessary as long as I am in this body to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. My dad's good at that. My dad has always been a reminder and, and I needed it and I still do. And I can count on my dad. Um, I know even going forward to, as I, as I go to him for advice, go to him for help, I, I know that, that every time I go to him and, and really go to this body, um, I can count on you guys to remind me of the truth. If I, if I begin to go in a direction that I, that I shouldn't go, if I, if I begin to make decisions that you feel like uh, do not line up with really the fundamentals of this book, I, I can count on you guys, and I'm asking you uh, to put me in remembrance. As long as you are in this body that God gave you, uh, remind me. Um, I'm, I'm asking for that, and I know that I will get it, because that's what you guys have done for me for 10 years. When I have begun to go in a different direction, when I, when I have made decisions that did not glorify and honor God, I've, I've heard it from you and, and from especially from him and, and my mom as well. Um, I can count on you all to point me in the right direction. And that's what a church does. That's what a body does, right? And you have done that well. You have served me. You have ministered to me. Um, as, I, as I stand up here, I, I look out at a lot of different people who have taught me throughout the years, um, both in, in word as well as in deed. Um, many lessons have been learned in this place. Some of the most important years of my life were spent in this building, and you have led me by your examples, and some of you have led me from the pulpit, um, from, the, from the classroom here at Bible Baptist uh, Christian School. So many different ways, uh, different faces here have, have pointed me to Christ and showed me uh, what it looks like to be like Christ, to live like Christ, and to love Christ. That's been your job, and, I, and you have fulfilled that well, and I trust that you will continue to do that as my, as my ministry continues. So I, I read this verse, this, um, this verse, and I thought of my dad. Um, he says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. These things are important. These are the fundamentals of the faith. This is the gospel. This is the fact that God loves us, like dad said. It's really a pretty simple message that we are called to carry God loves us, but we're sinners. We broke that fellowship. You know, this week and last week and the several weeks leading up to it or months, um, as I've been preparing uh, this doctrinal statement, um, I've, I've come away with, with a high view of God as I've been confronted with the reality of, 
of the gospel and uh, the different doctrines that I've had the opportunity to study, I, I can't help but, but read this book and realize what an amazing, majestic God we serve and, and the breadth, the, the distance between God and us has been increased as I have had this study. I've come away with a high view of God and a, and a very low view of myself. And that led me to another passage that has, has been really important to me as I've considered and, and wrestled with this idea of, of the call to ministry. You know, the tendency on a, in a week like this, um, you know, we had people fly in for this and, um, you know, we we're eating dinner together and, and all these different things. We, we have a, a, a day almost, it seems like, at least from my perspective, you know, kind of directed to me and, and for me. And, and I, I can't help but come away. I'm like, man, I, what, what did I do to deserve this? I, I, I very much relate to this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. When I think of my own ministry and when I think of my own calling, I come back to this often because this is what speaks to me here. Verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, and I would say amen to that, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Not many wise, not many noble, not many powerful. As a matter of fact, I think the reason I'm standing up here is because I don't fit into those qualifications. And God said, I'm going to use him to show my strength, to show my power. And they're going to look at him and they're going to say, how did he get there? Because I know him. I, I know that guy. And he didn't deserve to be up there. And they're going to say, it's God. It's only God. And that is something he has shown me and he's continued to show me. I appreciate you all. You have made an investment in me and it is an eternal investment. Some of you do not know uh, that you have had the impact that you've had in my life. Um, but I'm thankful to be here with you all today and to share this with you guys because I wouldn't be here uh, without you. Thank you guys. Amen. Thank you for those words, son. <clears throat> and it is a broken vessel, right? We all are broken vessels that carry the message of a great God. And faithful is he who called who will also do it. I love the story of Elisha following Elijah's last days, right? And he said, Don't, it's time to, time to go home, Elisha. Elisha says, no, I want to follow you. I want that double portion of thy spirit to follow me. And he followed Elisha to the last moment, or followed Elijah to the last moment. And God granted his desire. We're praying for you that a double portion, triple portion of God's grace and power would fall on you and you'd be used by God. Well, it's come to the part of the service that I love the most. This is when we really have Ethan come back up here and take a knee right here as we pray a prayer of dedication. Man, if you're a pastor, been ordained as a pastor, or you've served as a deacon here at the church, whether you're visiting or not, you're welcome to come and uh, uh, just join with Ethan, Ethan, if you'll stand up front here, 
I think there's a microphone, and I've asked a couple of men just to pray uh, over him and just dedicate his life and ministry. So, Ethan, if you'll take a knee there, and we'll lay hands upon you, not suddenly, but we'll lay hands upon you and trust God to do mighty things in your life. Lord, we're, we're just so thankful for this wonderful day. This is a great day in our church as we come alongside Ethan as his church family just to celebrate the obvious calling you've placed upon his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we dedicate his calling to you. We pray that he will ever seek the control of the Holy Spirit that will guide and direct his ministry all through his life. And Lord, may he always be found faithful in the days ahead. We just praise you for this time that you've shown us that you called Ethan into your gospel ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Lord, we do thank you so much for Ethan and his life. We thank you for over the last 10 years uh, that he's been in our church and the last eight years that I've uh, seen him grow in his love for you. We thank you for his uh, dedication to you, uh, for his love for the word, for his love for other people. Lord, it's very evident from his life that he is living, that he loves you and that he loves people and that he loves the word. Lord, we pray for him as he um, goes on from this day to do great things for you, serving a faithful God. I know that he will do great things uh, because he's got a great God that he serves. And we all have a, that great God that we serve and you can do great things through our lives. And as we're reminded today, it doesn't take somebody that's strong or mighty. It just takes someone that's willing. And we thank you for Ethan and his willing spirit. We pray that you would guard his heart. Uh, we pray for his uh, future family, that this, this unit would be able to um, reach uh, lost souls for the cause of Christ. We pray for his ministry, that he would be able to lead other people to the word, those that are saved and not saved, that they would see a God that uh, loves them. They would see a, a man that stands before them that is totally emptied of himself, but fully filled with you and the power that you bring. We thank you again for Ethan's life. Uh, we praise you for what you've done, and we are excited to see what you're going to do through his ministry. And we just pray for him. Again, guard his heart and give him strength and grace and endurance to run this race that you have given to him in Christ. And we pray, amen. We have a couple things for Ethan, to remember us by, <clears throat> one is the Bible, amen? And uh, as a church, we always like to give our candidates special gift from the church, and this is a Bible that he's chosen, and thank you so much for your part in that. You took, took part in that and paying for this, and so Ethan, on behalf of the church, don't ever neglect that book, amen? That's the most important. And then we have a certificate of ordination, and it's signed by the five men that were on the committee Friday, and so we'd like to present this to you. We, the undersigned, upon the recommendation request of Bible Baptist Church of Hampton, Georgia, have had full and sufficient opportunity to judge your God-given gifts, Christian experience, called the ministry and views of Bible doctrine, hereby certify that Ethan Mark Regeer has been publicly set apart and ordained for the work of the gospel ministry. Thank you, son. We'll be praying for you. I appreciate you very much. Love you. Let's stand together and sing to God be the glory. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.